On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food. What makes Smart Food so smart? It's Air Pop Popcorn, tossed in white cheddar cheese, only 70 calories per cup. A notorious black bag of popcorn deliciousness. You are what you eat. Welcome to the Smart Club. Shop now at snacks.com. Hello, brother friends. It's Dr. Damien Gibson here. Just checking in to say hi. No, Sir Matthew K. Fabe this week. Uh, he is on assignment. It's his birthday week, actually, this week. And uh, uh, just very busy with um, K. Fabe things. Um, he's having a uh, birthday party with, uh, I think, Bret Hart. I'm pretty sure it was Bret Hart that he was hanging out with. So, um I just thought I would uh, jump in and say hi, uh, talk some AEW Dynamite. There was quite a, a bit that happened this week, so I thought we could sort of talk about that together. Um, yeah, so let's get into it. Uh, no real news uh, as such. Um, the news always seems to come out of Connecticut, doesn't it? <laughs> never really comes out. There's never really that much news out of AEW. Unless it's a, you know, exploding deathmatch fuck-up or something like that. There's never, you know, it's never so-and-so unhappy with company or so-and-so is leaving AEW or so... Like, it's, you know... Um, having said that, the news, uh, the one news piece that I do have this week is about a WWE wrestler in Daniel Bryan. Surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> um he did an interview with Bleacher Report during the week and, and just mentioned that the, the two wrestlers that he would be interested in, in you know, having dream matches with uh, was either MJF uh, or Darby Allen, which, I mean, they're not, I was going to say, interesting choices, but, um, yeah. It was no Kenny Omega, no, uh, you know, Hangman Adam Page. Interesting I think they were interesting choices. Also, Daniel Bryan becoming more and more of a company man all the time and looking to move into a uh, producing role, a um, backstage role. So, um, yeah. The WWE are going to come for all those young guys. They're going to come for MJF. They're going to come for Darby Allen, Hangman Page. They're going to... You know, they'll throw as much money at the wall. That's if Vince is still interested. I've kind of got a theory that he's not. Uh, and we're just slowly going to see the sale of WWE to NBC. Um, but let's say that that's not the case and Vince is still interested, that they will come. They'll come for that, that sort of 
six or seven wrestlers of Ricky Starks, MJF, Darby Allen, Hangman Page, uh, maybe John Silver, you could throw him in there as well. Um, Britt Baker. Um, yeah, there's more. I, I know I'm forgetting people. Um, but that, uh, you know, I mean, MJF t- talked about it in his promo this week that he's only 24 years old, which is phenomenal. So anyway, that's who Daniel Bryan would wrestle if he came to AEW. So it's confirmed, guys. Daniel Bryan has signed with AEW. <laughs> um, it's interesting that Daniel Bryan has become such a company man considering the way that he's been treated by that company. Um which is not hearsay. It's all in his book. Go and read it. I have. Um, and it's one of those things where, because he's still contracted to them, you know, he's telling he's telling these stories about Vince and, and his whole crew, Pat Patterson and um, Brucey e. P and John Laronitis, all those kind of guys, and, and sort of talking, you know, like... They've got Stockholm syndrome. Well, they'll they'll talk about something horrible that those people have done to them, and then say like, "Oh, but I understand where they're coming from from a business point of view and stuff." I just finished Jim Ross's book, and uh, he does the same thing. And fuck, man, like, um, you know, like he, after his first Bell palsy uh, attack, Vince fired him like within weeks, and in this book, I mean. I think by the time he'd released that book, he wasn't working for WWE anymore. But it was like being part of the mafia where he was like, oh, but I I understood. Or or just doesn't say anything negative about it at all. Just says, oh, this is what happened. And then moves on talking about how he signed. Essentially, he was single-handedly responsible for the Attitude Era. Um, It's bizarre. I, I just find it so bizarre. Like, I... You know, this, like, I know this is the AEW podcast, and I will get to it, but I just, you know, something happens when people go to Connecticut, right? You know, there's a few people who escape, <laughs> um, and they seem to be the very strong-willed people, you know, your John Moxley's, Chris Jericho's, um, but yeah, there's just some people who just, you know, the Seth Rollins of the world who are just like, this is the best place in the world to work. And they're like, but it's not, dude. <laughs> like, it is categorically not. Like, there's just piece of evidence after piece of evidence that, you know. I mean, even the stories that Jim Ross tells in his book to sort of show that Vince is human, he comes across like a fucking lunatic, you know, like locking the doors of his car and driving at 90 miles per hour up people's fucking asses and just honking until they move out of the way and eating protein so he can just fucking fart in people's faces. This is a 50-year-old man. You know, this isn't a 22-year-old man. Like, just full carny fucking nutjob. Anyway, speaking of full carny nutjobs, let's get into Dynamite. Um, you know, we, we change... I don't... For... You know, I mean, if you'd recent, listened recently, you would already know this. And if this is the first time back after a while, we changed the format. We're basically just Matt and I have just talked the way that we would talk if we'd met up at a pub or something and we're talking about Dynamite, um, which I really enjoyed that. And then this week, Matt pulled out <laughs> and I was like, fuck, can I do that on my own? 
Um, so I'm going to give it a go. Um, I feel like I, you know, the good the thing that Matt does do well is he remembers everything, whereas I do not. Um, I get some negatives out of the way first. The Cody Penta match that we started with. Um, I was enjoying this match while it was happening. Penta is fucking great. Uh, Penta in a St. Patrick's Day hat is, I'm all, I'm here for that. I just want to see that all the time. He should be coming out in a little green hat always, or maybe a different hat every week, a different themed hat, um, you know, considering whatever the national public holiday is or uh, world public holiday that we're all observing (laughs) is, um, but let's be, let's be real. I'm going to shoot brother, 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 friends. Uh, what was, what's the finish? What, what is that? I don't get the finish, right? Like, uh, Penta dislocates kayfabe wise, right? But Penta dislocates Cody's shoulder again. So last week, Cody, uh, no, at the pay-per-view, the last pay-per-view, uh, revolution, um, Cody was in the ladder match. He hurt his shoulder, blah, 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 blah. It was a big deal. I actually thought he sold it quite well. I heard a few people sort of joking around about how he didn't. I I thought he did. Anyway, Penta essentially dislocates that shoulder with an arm breaker, which is great. Perfect heel antagonist, you know, getting in the way of Cody wanting to... I'm not really sure what Cody's goal is at the moment. Like he can't, he can't go for the world championship. Like he got disqualified from that um, himself. Like from a stip that he put on one of his own matches with MJF, like a year and a half ago. So it all has to be about the TNT title. Um. So I assume that's his goal. It hasn't been stated. He's just kind of. Floating around. Anyway, this feud with Penta was was like cool. I'm you know I'm all in. Matt was all in last week as well. Penta does that arm breaker. I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. You know, this is great. Um, and then Cody, you know, with the uh, with the most, um, you know, what does Simon Miller call it? The most dominating move in all of pros wrestling. <laughs> uh, the surprise roll-up, Cody gets the win. What the fuck? <laughs> like, it, it just made no sense whatsoever. I mean, the Cody wins lol memes just must be going fucking mental. And 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 it's, I don't, I don't know whether it's long-term storytelling towards turning Cody heel or, uh, what it is, but it just would have made way more sense for Penta to get the win. Penta gets a win over Cody, makes him more legitimate. Cody's not going to be hurt by losing to Penta. It's not like he's lost to Marco Stunt or something. <laughs> Penta's a great wrestler. And then it continues the feud. Cody wants to fight Penta again because Penta was a dodgy, dastardly heel, broke his shoulder, dislocated his shoulder beat him and fucked off. But, you know, like, 
I don't know, and there's like the nightmare family, and it all becomes so that is bad enough as it is. And then, really, what the story is about is that QT Marshall. So, when Penta's beating up Cody, and no one comes out to help him, by the way, but Dustin and that get out there before QT Marshall. So, QT Marshall is the bad guy, but also, hey, look, Tony Khan, I want you to listen to this, like, come closer to the speaker or turn up your headphones. No one gives a fuck. Stop booking QT Marshall. No one fucking cares. No one cares. No one. It's embarrassing having this chubby little fucking bald, balding dude. Like, it just... Stop. Um... Yeah. Don Callis had a promo with the Bucks that I really liked. Um, yeah, that that whole thing is interesting. The John Moxley, John Moxley, and um, Eddie Kingston. I keep forgetting Eddie Kingston's name. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston together as a tag team. Book it. Make them tag team champions. Make them go after. Give the Good Brothers the belts and make Moxley and. Uh, Eddie Kingston did it again. Uh, <laughs> uh, go after them. Great promos, heaps of fun. You know, keeps. Uh, if John wants to keep wrestling, you know, even though he's having a baby with Nene, um, like, fuck, everyone would be into that. But we got the Good Brothers beating down Eddie Kingston and John Moxley and Kenny Omega came out and they looked bad and but then the young bucks getting involved and they're not too sweeting the rest of the elite and they're like nah get out of here man it's just like again these are the two times I think they sort of dropped the ball throughout the episode again from a story point of view and I I don't know what is it I don't know if it's just me but but the Young Bucks are terrible faces. And if they're meant to be faces at the moment, fuck. So, like, they they cut a promo earlier in the night where they... And I know everybody does this, but when it comes out of their mouths, it just comes across like an 80s heel where they're like, we are the best tag team in the world. And so you're just like, oh, gross. No, like, faces wouldn't say that. Uh, but then they come out and they're doing this sort of face stuff, which, again, it just sort of ruined the momentum for me. It's like, I don't even want to see the Young Bucks out here, but now that they are here, what are they doing? Oh, their faces. Oh, okay. Well, what was with that promo before where they were talking about how, like, every other tag team on Earth is fucking shit and they're the only good one? And I just... I don't know. It, to me, it makes... This is what I would do. Take the belts off the Bucks immediately. Let, now that... Uh, and we'll get to that in a second. But now that the pinnacle has been unveiled, give FTR the belts. Uh, and then the Young Bucks join the Elite. Or, you know, if you want to call them something else, Bullet Club. I don't fucking know if they, you know. Bullet Club fucking... I don't know. US or Bullet Club America or something, you know, whatever. Bullet Club America sounds pretty cool. Um, whatever they want to call themselves, have that, have them as another 
heal faction. More factions, the better, man. I've never understood people going up against, you know, having a problem with factions, you know? I mean, faces probably don't need a face. That's what I'm saying. Like, heal factions' faces on their own, you know? Because then they have to, the faces have to go through a story. There's a whole bunch of people that they can, you know, (laughs) they can go up against in a particular uh, faction and to get to the big boss, whether it's a Kenny Omega or an MGF or MJF or Chris Jericho, whatever. Uh, Whatever. Um, But yeah, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley together in promos, fuck. They, I, one tiny criticism, they think they're a lot funnier than they actually are. I think you just need to not try and be so funny all the time. Um, you know, like just is just a tiny bit of that. Just a tiny bit of like, oh man, we're the we're the hilarious. Um, Jade Cargill look good. Look good. I don't want her feuding with Red Velvet, man. That's over. And um, I just don't care about Red Velvet. It's another QT Marshall thing where it's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know why you've been earmarked. You know, when there's people like Abaddon and shit on on Dark. Why is Red Velvet getting, you know. I like I understood that she took the part of Brandy in the... Cody Shack storyline, that's cool, but that finish that that's over. Um unless it's not, but uh yeah. Um the, we had the unveiling of the the pinnacle. Man, what a great promo. So glad that Tully did the first part of the promo as well. Uh and then MJF. I think you could as good as MJF is on the mic. I almost think he could have Tully do the majority of the talking. Because, again, it's one of those things of, like, why is he there? I mean, I suppose they could paint it as, like, he's the coach, you know. Um, And also, like, do we want to miss out on MJF promos each week? Not really. But it just, I was really glad that Tully, you know, came out, grabbed the stick, and did a great fucking promo, man. And, And then MJF, the same. This was so good. And they just... I was like, I'm so I'm really glad that it's not the four horsemen. Matt and I have been joking about that for about a year. Great. You know, I mean I just think um I just think it's good I think it's good for AEW to be doing their own stuff. I think, you know. Uh even though I just said like have Bullet Club America five minutes ago, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um I think I, I don't know, it just felt right. Uh I heard it um had some people saying the pinnacle, then I like the name. I like it. I think it's good. Makes sense. Um, and they're going to have that, you know, profile and jet flying, uh, son of a guns type thing. So they're still going to have that flavor, but you don't have to call it the four horsemen, man. Um, so I was pretty happy with that. MJF, fuck. This was, and the storytelling in that, that like the whole thing with the inner circle was MJF just fucking playing them, <laughs> just playing the inner circle the whole time. Mwah. Chef's kiss. Hashtag blessed chef's kiss. But you guys know what I mean. It was so good. Um, and like, you know, and he made me, he made me 
like, this is two weeks in a row now where I gave a fuck about Sean Spears. I mean, that's good. That is really good, MJF. <laughs> um, uh, like, and I said, I did say last week to Matt, like, oh, well, let's give Sean Spears a chance and see what happens. And he was like, oh, I don't want to give him a chance. But uh, Hardy Empire get the win. Um, I, uh, well, we, we had the unveiling of another faction name in the Hardy Empire. That's fine. Um, I'm glad that they won. I just like, there seems to be this, um, there seems to be this new, uh, smart attitude of like, oh, if you, um, if you don't get Marco stunt, then you're an idiot. (laughs) Uh, which I just think is, um, absolutely fucking ridiculous. I mean, the the dude looks like a 12-year-old boy and he was like throwing around, you know, Butcher from Butcher and the Black. Like it just, you know, it's visual storytelling, right? That's what wrestling is, you know, the majority of it, especially in ring, obviously, it's all visual storytelling. So when you've got a four foot two, 12-year-old looking motherfucker punching and kicking and knocking down a guy who's like six foot five and 300 pounds, 150 kilos and build as that, you know, that's his strength, his skill. The butcher's skill is his size. You know, he's called the fucking butcher for fuck's sake, you know, and then Marco stunts, you know, suspend your disbelief. That's, there's a point. There's a point. I know I say the same thing every week. But they keep booking him. So I have no problem with him being a heel slash cheerleader kind of thing that occasionally they like, take bumps for sure. He's very good at that. I'm not saying he's got a terrible technique or anything in the ring, but he is just too fucking small to be taken seriously. I'm just sorry. Not, it can't always be everyone gets a go, you know, because they're a nice guy. It's the same thing with QT Marshall. You know what I mean? It's like... I, like I said it last week and I said it the week before and the week before that, me personally, as a fan, as a viewer, someone who pays money every fucking month to watch AEW Dynamite, uh, I do not care who you are friends with or who is nice. You know what I mean? That means nothing to me. I want you to book the best possible people. That's it. That's that's what I want you to do. That's your job, TK. Cody, the Young Bucks, Kenny. Um. Anyway, uh, Christian Cra- uh, Christian Cage did a he done a promo, uh, which I liked. I mean, it's Christian. He's always gonna fucking knock a promo out of the the park, and he's not immediately jumping to the front of the queue for the heavyweight championship, which I think everyone might have. I think all us AEW fans have. Uh, you know, we breathed a slight sigh of relief with that, where it's like, oh, thank Christ. Um, you know, not that Christian shouldn't be involved in some sort of title picture. Oh, me personally, I think it should be the TNT title picture. Um, I, you know, people are going to be like, you can't have Christian in the mid card. You know, like he was underutilized in WWE, but you can move up to that. 
the IC belt used to be your rite of passage to get to the heavyweight belt in, in WWF. You know, like, I feel like you could do the same thing in AEW. Um, Ray Phoenix and then Halco had a, a great, great match. Really enjoyed that. Miro's promo with Kip. Some real tension there. They're moving that story along. The tension is building very nicely. Um, John Silver's going to go up against uh, Darby Allen next week for the TNT uh, Championship. So that is something to look forward to. Or is it? Because I can almost guarantee. Here's my prediction. And I may be wrong. But I doubt it. That match will not end clean. <laughs> Uh, it's not the biggest punt I've ever gone for with a prediction. Uh, that's that's for sure. Actually, I was wrong about the Horseman again. That's twice now in three weeks I've been wrong. So I'm putting that on the record. Completely wrong. Uh, but this, I don't think I'll be wrong about at all. This will not end clean because they're going to have to protect John Silver. They're not going to give him the TNT Championship. Whenever a wrestler like Darby Allen did this week who got interrupted like 17 times during his promo um, uh, which is all fine uh, but when he says he wants to be a fighting champion that just means like, okay well get ready to see a whole bunch of TNT uh, championship matches we, hey like I'm not I don't have any problem with that I'd, I'd like to see Darby Allen do more wrestling um, so yeah and then that leaves us with the women's match, man. And then, look, there isn't really anything else that... <laughs> this um, is my favorite match of the year so far. Um, it's my two favorite female wrestlers on the planet, I think. Um, I really like Priscilla Kelly, who's just signed for WWE. Um, but, uh, yeah, these guys, fuck. Just, this was so good. It was just so good. And there isn't really anything that I can, you know, I can't criticize anything about it as far as storytelling is concerned. Um, I do have a criticism. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the actual match, really. And it's got nothing, it's definitely got nothing to do with the, the two girls involved. And I will go back to them in a second. But Paul Walker, the referee in this, and I don't, I don't know what was happening, but he was constantly after uh, after Brit was cut open. And I'm not sure whether it was I'm almost a, I'm almost 100 percent sure it was a blade job, but whether it was a blade job or she did just cut herself open, this was a lights out, non-sanctioned falls count anywhere, like no DQ match, right? The fact that there was even a referee hanging around kind of annoyed me anyway he should just pop up you know when it's time for the three count and then that's it but he's out there every time one of the girls got cut he's got the black gloves on and checking them and blah 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 blah. and then like it was just one of those things that once i noticed that i couldn't unnotice it he was just like he got in the way of uh, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker on numerous occasions and and was front and center as far as the framing was concerned he was right in the middle of the frame looking like basically sticking his head between the two girls and stuff just get the fuck out of there I 
I'll give WWE this when it comes to their referees. I never, ever think about them, notice them, and that's exactly what a wrestling referee should be. They should be helping the story move along. They should be facilitating what needs to happen in the ring. That is their role. But us as an audience should not be paying any attention to them whatsoever. And these AEW referees, all of them, spend way too much time reacting, jumping into the center of frame, doing all the things that you should not be doing as a referee. And it, I'm annoyed because this match was so fucking good. And I kept being distracted by this big doofus head's face being involved in this match when they should have had no no involvement at all. Uh, you know, like if the match needs to be stopped, have a doctor come out and stop the fucking match. You know what I mean? Or, or if something has happened, he just would not leave Britt Baker alone. As soon as she got open up, he was just constant. Like, it's weird, man. Go back and watch it and watch him. Like, it will annoy the fuck out of you. Anyway, put him to one side. Um, if I was one of the girls in the match, I would be so infuriated with them because they... With him, sorry, with Paul Walker. because uh, Or Paul Turner, sorry, not Paul Walker. That's the dude from Fast and Furious. Be so furious at him for, you know... Anyway. Um, I, I would be. Because those girls left everything out on the mat. You know, like liters of blood at the very least. You know, headlining, uh, you know, main eventing an AEW show for the first time, which is kind of a bit sad that that's the first time it happened. But, it, I mean, they, they were the two... This is the most exciting story. They were the two best wrestlers uh, or the most interesting wrestlers in the in the division at the moment, and they were headlining, so it made sense. Um. I just want to see more of this. Um, and from a storytelling point of view, Thunder Rosa winning is interesting because, um, you know, as I've pointed out a couple of times, she is being, uh, you know, she's being sold by NWA who are back um, after this weekend. So, um, yeah. I mean... She could be wrestling on both shows. There's plenty of people who are doing that. The Good Brothers on Impact and, and Dynamite. Um, Private Party on Dynamite and Impact. So it, it's not that it can't be done. So um, I, I just... Man, if you know if you get to see Thunder Rosa twice a week, sweet. But I just hope that's what's happening. Uh, but even if she does get a win on the way out, that, you know, that does set up a story for later on if you want to have an NWA versus AWA... Uh, uh, AEW thing that's cool as well but we did have Jade Cargill and uh, Hikaru Shida watching on as well so setting up future storylines but not getting involved in the match just letting the girls you know finish like it finished clean as well there was no it was just a masterclass um, I haven't looked at Meltzer's ratings I hope it gets a 5 star um, match rating because it deserves it um, if you haven't watched this, which is weird if you're listening to this podcast and haven't watched this match, but maybe you're using it to catch up. Anyway, brother friends, go and watch this match if you haven't watched it. Watch it again if you have watched it. It's so great. And don't pay attention to Paul Turner, but seriously, just 
AW refs fucking stop. Um, you know, it's just anyway. Um, man, what a night! What a fantastic night! I actually watched uh, some of the after uh, um, this match. In particular, I know I've been very critical of other moments in the night, but uh, the pinnacle and and this match uh, are things that will you know you'll remember in five years' time. Um, you know, which I find I do find that harder and harder as I get older to just remember like distinct things um, in wrestling. It all kind of blurs into one. Although Matt and I do watch a lot of it, um, so yeah, well, I watched um. We usually talk some impact as well. I suppose I bring up some impact. I watched the rebellion. Was it rebellion? Um, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right at all. Anyway, the impact pay per view. Uh, another great match. If you haven't seen, it, is Rich Swan versus Moose. Rich Swan won. He's the United. He's you know got both belts. I don't think they haven't unified the belts yet. He's still carrying both belts around the Impact and TNA title. So I think there's still room for him to drop one of those titles and for that to be held at TNA or Impact, sorry. Uh, because it, the match between Kenny Omega and Rich Swan has been announced for the next Impact pay-per-view. So, um, I mean, unless Rich Swan beats Kenny Omega, I mean, that can't happen, right? No. It'll either have to be a screwy finish or or Kenny Omega winning. Um, well, it doesn't have to be anything, but that seems the most... Um, uh, how you say? Logical. Um, guys, I've done 30 minutes on my own, so I'm wrapping up. <laughs> uh, thank you for your continued support. Um, uh, Matt assures me that he will be with me for the next six weeks. <laughs> He's... Had a whole bunch of stuff going on. It's been a very busy year for Matt so far this year. So uh, he will be back. We'll be doing the usual show next week. Uh, Nitro will be coming out Monday night. We've got the uh, March ECW show that will be out in the next 10 weeks. Uh, And I'll be doing an NWA power show, which I know a lot of people um, were into. So uh, really looking forward to watching the power, um, the, the NWA uh, back to attack uh, pay-per-view i think that's right back for attack back to attack uh pay-per-view really nice that aaron stevens is um going up against nick aldis in in a tribute to question mark um i'm forgetting the real guy's name off the top of my head which is really bad but anyway it's a tribute match for him um which is really nice they they I mean, I'm going to say this while Matt isn't here because otherwise he would just come in over the top and be like, uh, but NWA, dude, they're, they're so nice. They, <laughs> I mean, yeah, now they'll, I'll get a whole bunch of tweets about like, what about this? What about this? But I don't know. They just seem to look after their wrestlers and care. Anyway, um, uh, I'm a Billy Corgan, Nick Aldis, Mark, so... And on that, my friends, uh, stay safe, look after yourselves, uh, and until next time, brother friends, Pepe is dead.